0: Welcome to the Church at Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcasts. This week, our lead pastor Mike Yearly continues his series entitled "The Message and the Movement: Jesus' Sermon on the Mount." And today, Pastor Mike will lead us in a study of Matthew chapter six, verses five through eight, with a message titled "Jesus and Prayer." Good morning. morning. Uh, Welcome to Rocky Peak. My name is Pastor Mike, and if this is your very first time here, we want to welcome you especially. Every week we go into a time of teaching, and today we're going to be talking about Jesus and prayer. And inside of your bulletin is a white message note sheet. We're actually in the midst of a series uh, called The Message and the Movement, which is the most famous sermon uh, ever given in the history of the world. It's called The Sermon on the Mount, and we're uh, we're in chapter 6. Jesus kind of lays out the message of his movement today, the topic is prayer. We just thought it'd be fun to start with that and we 'll uh, refer to it later on but uh, let 's uh, let's pray together and ask God to come be with us during this time, and then we 'll jump in let 's pray, Father, thank you so much for what you 're doing at our church. Thank you what you 're doing in our lives and God, thank you what you 're doing in this series or week by week while we, we sense we 're coming or 're being challenged by you week by week. We're we're spending time sitting around your feet saying, what does it really look like to be a follower of Jesus? And week by week, you're shaping our heart as a congregation, God, and that is the desire of our heart, that we would come today. We're not just kind of putting in our time or getting a notch in our belt. We're really coming, we're really coming to pursue you. And so, Lord, as we come today, Father, into your presence, we talk about prayer and and what that means. Would you just open our eyes to some new things, maybe remind us of some, some things that we've forgotten We pray that the bottom line is that we will end here and leave with a new passion to pursue you in prayer. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. He was an old man. He'd uh, been born and raised in this town, and now he was ready to die in this town, a small little village in, in Europe. His daughter knew that he was dying. In fact, he was staying with her. He was in bed every day. He was very sick. He had cancer. And so she called the new priest in town. They had a new priest in town and asked, would you come and visit my dad? Would you come and pray for him? And sure enough, one day the the priest shows up and the old man's laying in bed. The priest walks into his room. Right there next to his bed is a chair. And so the priest assumes that he knows he's coming. I says. Well, I see that you saw you're expecting me. You're, you knew I was coming today. He says, no, I, I don't think we've ever met. I don't know why you're here. He said, well, I'm sorry. I'm the new priest. Your doctor and your daughter asked if I'd come and, and, and pray with you. He said, well, come on in. He said, well, I, I just thought you, you knew I was coming. I saw the, the chair there by your bed. The old man got a strange look on his face. and He said, would you, would you close the door? Would you mind closing the door? The priest thought it was a lot odd, but he went and closed the door, and he came back. He said, I've never told anyone this. He said, but the truth of the matter is, is I've gone to church my whole life, and I've always wanted to know how to pray, but I've never felt like I could understand it. I would hear these sermons on prayer, but they were over my head. In fact, many years ago, I actually went to my, my priest and asked him if he could help me with this, and he, he gave me a book. He said, this is the best book written in the 20th century on prayer. It was by a Swiss theologian named Balthasar. He said, to be honest, I took it home, and in the first three pages, I had to look up 12 words. I couldn't understand what he was saying. He said, and that day, I took it back to the priest, thanked him very much, and decided that was it. I wasn't going to pray anymore. But he said, then that'll change. Four years ago, he said, I have a good friend. It's my best friend. One day, we were talking about this, and I told him my story, and he said, Joe, you're making this way too tough. Prayer is just a conversation with Jesus. Why don't you try this? Why don't you try going into your room, close the door so no one can see you, get a chair and you sit in one chair, put another chair across the room just like we're talking right now. And Jesus said he would always be with us to the end of the earth and so I think it's fine with him. Why don't you just picture him in that chair and just have a conversation with Jesus just like you and I are talking right now. And so the old man said, so I tried it and he said, Father, and he's lit up now, beaming from his bed, he lit up and he said, I've been doing that for two hours a day ever since. And the father was so touched by this sick and dying man, he he encouraged him to continue on his journey in Jesus and journey with prayer. He asked if he could pray for him before he left. He laid hands on him. He prayed for him. He anointed him with oil and gave him a blessing. The father left that day. Two days later, he got a call. The father got a call from the daughter. She said that her father had passed away that afternoon. Of course, the priest was saddened. and he said, well, how did that happen, and did he die in peace? And she said, yes, he did. In fact, I left at 2 o'clock to go to the market. When I came back, he was gone, but it was the strangest thing. You know, my father was so weak at the end, he could hardly move But I came in, he looked so peaceful there, but he had pulled himself to the edge of the bed and he had put his head in the chair next to the bed. Today we come to a passage in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus wants to talk to us about the topic of prayer. It's the very first time in the sermon he's talked about it. Now if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know the drill. We're in this new section of the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in chapter 6. It goes from verse 1 through verse 18. It's a section where Jesus is talking to us about what you might call spiritual discipline, spiritual pursuits, things that we can do in our life to pursue our one-on-one relationship with our Father. He's, he talks to us about giving to the poor, right? We talked about that last week. The second one is prayer. The third one is fasting. I hope you can join us next week as we talk about fasting. you probably never heard a sermon on that one either. But today the topic is prayer. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to chapter 6 and verse 5 of Matthew, we're going to walk through the passage, then we're going to come back, and uh, I'm going to ask three simple questions to help guide our thoughts today as we talk about uh, our own relationship with God in prayer and how we can grow in this, because it's, uh, it's an area I think we often need some help. So let's, so let's jump in. Chapter 6 of Matthew, and uh, starting at verse 5. Okay, so he says, and when you pray, now, now we're here at the Church of Rocky Peak. We're his followers, right? And so the whole point of this series... What does it look like to follow Jesus? So let's, let's pretend he's here. He's saying, okay, so when you pray, it, as a church, when you pray in your personal life, this is when you pray, he says, I don't want you to be like the hypocrites. I don't want you to be like the spiritual leaders of the day. I don't want to be like the Pharisees, because what would they do? Well, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by them. For, prayer, for, for them, prayer is all about image. It's a way to be seen as spiritual. And so it's a way of not really talking to God. It's a way of talking to people, right? He says, so I don't want you to be like that. Um, he says, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. What, they're praying so they impress people? Guess what? People are impressed. They're done. That's the reward. Then he goes on. He says, but when you pray, you as my followers, I want you to do this. I want you to go into your room. Think of the old man now. I want you to go into your room. I want you to close the door. And I want, to, I want you to pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what's done in secret, guess what? He will reward you. When you, when you pursue your father in this secret place, the unseen God will come and meet you in the unseen place, all right? That's the idea. And now he gives us some tips on how to do this. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans because they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Now, we'll talk about this a lot today, but this is a constant temptation we have when it comes to prayer, is to turn prayer into a ritual, Okay, if I just say it the right way, if I use the right words, if I say it the right amount of times, then you know, it's like, kind of like rubbing the, the, the lamp. The genie will appear, right? And he will answer us. And so he says, this is a pagan mindset that we can manipulate God through our prayers if we do it the right way. It's a pagan mindset. He said, um, But what, he says, uh, verse 8, do not be like them because your father knows what you need before you ask him. Uh, prayer is not about manipulating God. Prayer is a simple relationship between you and your Father. He knows everything about you. He knows every what you're going to say before you say it. It's a simple thing. Keep it simple, right? We'll come back. And now he says, um, in verse 9, he gives us uh, a model prayer. Now, it's not a magic prayer. It's a model prayer. It's uh, the most famous prayer ever prayed in the history of the world, right? We call it what? The Lord's Prayer. But it's really not the Lord's Prayer. It's really our prayer. It's not the prayer that Jesus prays. It's, it's the prayer that he taught us to pray. But there's nothing magical about this. You know, sometimes in certain settings, it's almost as if, wow, okay, let's pray the Lord's prayer because we know he listens to that one. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, he wrote that one. I'm sure that that one will work more effectively. Um, and that, that's exactly the pagan mindset that we're trying to get away from, right? In fact, in Luke chapter 11, we have an alternate version of the Lord's prayer. So it's even a little bit different, right? Something magical, but it is a model. It's a model of as you grow as a follower of Jesus, as I grow as a follower of Jesus, what will our heart look like? When we're all grown up spiritually, what will be the passion of your heart? What will be the passion of my heart when we're all grown up? What will it look like? When we go to prayer, what will be the natural outflowing of our heart? You see, it's, this is a model this is like, here's where we're going as followers of Jesus. He gives us model prayer. And what you're gonna see is you're gonna us six requests in this prayer. The first three relate to God. The last three relate to us. And when he's talking about us, some are physical, some are physical requests, some are spiritual requests. So let's start off, verse nine. It starts off by acknowledging who we're praying to, our Father in heaven. Now this is pivotal. This is pivotal because all prayer is about relationship, right? Prayer is always, it's never about ritual. Prayer is about relationship. And so prayer is about a son or a daughter talking to a father. You see, that's all prayer is. Keep it, keep it simple. He says, now, now here we go. The first three quests of a, of a disciple's heart, the first three priorities for a follower of Jesus is not for himself or herself, it's for the father." So the first one, um, they're all very similar. (laughs) You'll see this. Hallowed be your name. So in the the ancient world, a person's name represented their character, their person, who they are. Uh, May your name be hallowed. It's a way of saying, God, uh, Father, may in all the earth, may everyone revere your name. May may everyone know who you are. May everyone love you. May everyone worship you. May everyone come into this father-child relationship to we honor your name and all the earth, okay? Second request, your kingdom come. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to planet earth, right? We're part of his movement. So would your kingdom come? Would your movement prosper? Would your movement on planet earth take over the planet? Would more people come to you and surrender their lives to you so that you could be the king over their life, right? Next one, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in heaven, God's will is done perfectly. God speaks it, it's done. Uh, Heaven is just the way God wants it. Planet earth is not the way God wants it, right? We live on a fallen world, a world of disease, a world of oppression, a world of murder and death and sickness and heartache, right? God's will is not being done on earth. And so the prayer is, God, would you bring your perfect will to planet earth? You see? Now you can see how these three requests, they're almost like three sides of a triangle, aren't they? You can not If you have one, you have the other. Like if, his, if God's name is honored, then his will will be done and his kingdom will come. If his kingdom comes, then his will will be done, his name will be honored. You see, they're all like three sides of the triangle. We're just praying that God, his perfect will, would come to planet earth, all right? Now, the next three requests are for us. So the heart of a disciple, it starts with our priority is God, right? The heart of a mature disciple, it's not about me, it's about God. God, would you be honored in all the earth? Would your name be renowned? Would your fame be in all the earth? We are about your name, Lord. We are about your fame. The church at Rocky Peak here, we exist not for ourselves. We exist for his name and his fame. You see, this is the heart of a disciple. Okay, but we also have needs, and that's very legitimate. And as followers of Jesus, we're to bring our needs. And there are two kinds, right? There are physical needs and there are spiritual needs. The first one is about our physical need. Give us this day, verse 11, our daily bread. And so we have physical needs in life, right? We have bread, we need cars, we need gasoline, we need shelter, we need healings, right? We have physical needs. So give us today our daily bread. (laughs) Well, we also have spiritual needs. Our first need is for forgiveness. So God, we pray you'd forgive us our debts. We're in your debt, right? We've sinned against you as we have forgiven our debtors. So God, would you forgive me? I realize I'm not living up to the life I'm supposed to live, would you forgive me for that? And by the way, would you forgive me in the same way I have forgiven those who have violated my rights, right? And that's a pretty heavy-duty prayer, isn't it? Uh, and so we're going to come back in a couple weeks and talk about forgiveness, right, and the teaching of Jesus. But it's pretty heavy to say, God, would you forgive me the way I forgive others? <laughs> you want to make sure you're doing it well, right? <laughs> okay. And then he says, one last thing is for spiritual power and protection. He said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus acknowledges that we are in a spiritual warfare. We have a spiritual enemy, right? His name in the Old Testament, Satan, Satan right? The, the New Testament, our adversary. We are in the midst of a spiritual war. He is out to get you. He is out to destroy you. He is out to uh, incapacitate you so you can't follow Jesus. And so this is a prayer. God, would you kind of lead us? We know he's out to get us. Would you lead us away from temptation or hard times that would destroy us? Interesting, the Greek word there for temptation is the Greek word parasmos. And it's the same exact word for temptation and trial. You can translate it either way based on the context. So what he's really saying here is we're in a war where you can steer us away from his schemes, his attacks, right? And protect us from that, empower us to follow you. Now, just a quick side note. If you have a King James Bible... Um, you will see in there that there's a, the final part of this prayer that, um, that's often prayed when we pray it. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And of course that's true. However, in the best ancient manuscripts, that isn't in there. So what often would happen sometimes is maybe that became something that they prayed in their church services and they added on. And perhaps, for example, a scribe somewhere writes in the margin of one of the manuscripts. You know, 100 years later, the next scribe comes along and is like, well, is that supposed to be in the text or not? Well, I'll add it. I just want to make sure. Um, and so, but in our best of uh, ancient manuscripts, it's not there. So that's why in uh, kind of more modern translations, there'll be maybe a footnote in your Bible like an NIV, but it won't uh, be there. Okay, so that's that's the prayer. So this is a passage from chapter, from verse 5 to 13 about prayer. It it talks to us, Jesus wants to talk to us as his followers, both about how to pray and what to pray, okay? So don't be like the pagans, uh, don't be like the Pharisees, that's how. Uh, Here's a model prayer, here's the what, all right? Now, in the time that we have today, I want to dive in and talk about how to grow in our prayer life, because frankly, this is a really tough thing. We'll talk about this later on, but my guess is if we had a show of hands, how many are really happy with your prayer life right now? My guess is we'd have uh, far less than half the hands go up. It's just a really hard area. We talk about how important prayer is, we talk about how we believe in it, but the reality is when you look at our lives, uh, my experience is we're often like, eh, it's not going so well. And so how do we grow? So let's jump in. Number one. The first question is, it flows from the text. Is uh, in your own life, are you pursuing God in your secret place? Okay, so your life, um, are you pursuing? And Jesus seems to assume that we will pursue him. I want to point out something. If you take your Bibles and you look at verse uh, six, uh, 5, 6 five, he says, And when you pray, now you want to underline that word when. When you pray. Remember last week we talked about giving the poor. Remember we made a big deal of this. He didn't say if you give to the poor. He says when you give to the poor. Now we have the same deal here. Jesus is assuming that as his followers we will pursue his model. We have seen this throughout the Sermon on the Mount, haven't we, that prayer was a high priority in Jesus' life, right? Remember a couple weeks ago I started the message with a story about Jesus getting up before before it was even light, while it was dark. He had that busy day the day before. And he goes outside to spend time with his father before the day begins. It's still dark out. Remember that story? And this was a habit of his. This was a pattern. In the book of Luke, it says that he would often go out and spend time going, a lonely time. And so throughout this series, we've seen this, that a key to Jesus' walk with his father, a key is his time alone with the father, right? We've seen that. And so Jesus assumes that in your life and my life, if we're serious about pursuing God, if we're pursuing if we're serious about being part of his movement, he assumes that you and I will pursue the Father in the secret place. That we will have a room, right? metaphorically, we will have a room in our life where we close the door and we go and we're alone with the Father. And he says, and if you do that, guess what? The Father who's unseen and he, the Father who is secret, he will show up and meet you in your secret place, All right? So Jesus is assuming this as his followers. He is assuming that you and I are serious about pursuing the Father, and that one of the most important ways to do that is to have a secret place. So the question is, we have to start with, is are we pursuing? Do you have a secret place? Is prayer a priority in your life? Now, like I said, I think if we're honest today, that I think we could probably all admit this is one of the hardest areas to follow Jesus in our life. Uh, probably many of you have heard ser- uh, sermons on prayer before. You've got inspired. You've gone out. You've said, okay, this time it's going to stick, and I'm going to do it. And you start off, you know, and you spend a week or two, and then pretty soon it's like back to normal. And like, wow, that was weird. I'm glad I'm over it. You know, whatever. Uh, and so we- we've all been there, right? Um, in fact, I put some quotes there on your note sheet just to kind of help us make feel better about this, all right? So here we go. Uh, the first quote is uh, by a, a man named J. Oswald Sanders. He, he's a, he wrote a, spirit, a book, it's really a classic leadership book called Spiritual Leadership. And look what he says. Prayer is indeed the Christian's vital breath and native air. And so prayer is the, the breath we breathe. You know, it's key to our relationship with God. But strange paradox, most of us find it hard to pray. We do not naturally delight in drawing near to God. We sometimes pay lip service to the delight and, and power of prayer. We call it indispensable we know the scriptures call for it, and yet we often fail to pray. Look at the next one by Dr. Archibald Hart, one of my favorite Christian psychologists. He says, of, of, all, uh, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer seems to be the hardest to develop. At least that's what I've seen in my years of counseling Christians. Clearly, it's a habit that must be deliberately cultivated in the midst of our hurly-burly, hurried lifestyles. Don't be embarrassed to admit that you struggle in this area. God knows about it anyway. Okay, so we're not alone. So if you're here today and you're like, man, um, this is hard for me. I just want you to know, you are just right normal, right? You're a very normal follower of Christ, okay? So we want to talk about how to grow in this area. It's interesting because the next quote is by John Eldridge. And he wrote the book Wild at Heart, kind of a famous men's book. And, um, and he talks about this, why this really is not such a big surprise that prayer is so hard because the enemy of our souls, he understands how critical prayer is to our growth process, right? And so if there's anything he will attack in our life, he will do whatever he can to keep you from going to the secret place with your father, right? And so look what he says. He says, most of all, the enemy will try to jam communications with headquarters. Commit yourself to prayer every morning for two weeks and just watch what will happen. You won't want to get up. An important meeting will be called that interferes you'll catch a cold. Or if you do get to your prayers, your mind will wander as to what you had for breakfast, how much you should pay for the water heater repair, what color socks would look best with your gray suit. Many times I've come under such a cloak of confusion so thick, I suddenly find myself wondering why I believed in Jesus in the first place. <laughs> Have you been there? It's like, this is not easy, all right? And so Jesus comes to us, He assumes this is important. He's telling us this is a key, and yet I think we have to start by just being really honest. This is a hard thing. And and if we're serious about pursuing Jesus in our lives, he's telling us we need to make this a priority. We need to establish a secret place. Now, later on, I'm going to give you some tips and what we can do in prayer to make this work better for us. We're going to talk just real practically. But here's what I want you to catch at this point. A key to this whole process it's a decision of setting aside some time. We, we have to create a room in our life, right? We have to create a secret room in our life. Uh, uh, metaphorically, time-wise, place-wise. We've got to create a place and say, okay, I'm going to show up there. Can I tell you something? That half of the battle is just showing up, right? I learned a long time ago in my life, Mike, just show up. Okay, I'm mean, going to give God a half an hour. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't even care what's going to happen there. I'm just going to be there for a half an hour. Right? I'm going to be here, and God, will you lead me in this time? We'll talk more about that later. So uh, last quote there from Peter, Peter Wagner. It says, like it or not, drawing near to God requires time. If we're motivated to pray, the first and most important act of self-discipline is to set aside blocks of clock time. I like that, blocks of clock time. Once you budget the time, a kind of spiritual Parkinson's law comes into play, and prayer tends to expand to, all, to fill the time available. Those who don't carve out time, particularly those who rationalize their reluctance to do so by claiming, oh, I pray without ceasing, <laughs> usually end up praying very little, right? So, so here's a place for us to question. Are we, are we serious about following do, do you want a relationship with the Father? Now, I can't make you want it. If you don't want it, well, then that's it. You know that you're on your own. But, but if you want it, if you want a relationship with the audience of one, we've been talking about a key component is time alone, right, with prayer. And so we just have to decide. I, I taught this a few months ago, and just remember I said, we do what we believe. We do what we believe. And so, so if, you, if, you, if you want a relationship, you believe it's important, you will do it. If you don't think it's important, you won't do it. It's as simple as that. And so the Jesus said, there's a place to start. Is this important to you? Is it a priority? Number two. Um, now, this is really important because um, I think that many times what hinders us is prayer is some of our approach to prayer. And so I want to get really practical today and talk about that. And so we're going to to do that in a couple minutes. But let me give you the question, then we'll jump in. The question is, are you keeping it simple? Um, Jesus says one of the marks of pagan prayer is that um, we we have sort of this uh, ritualistic mentality, right? Right? And so we're going to go, we're going to do this ritualistic things. So if we just say it the right way, we, we say it the right amount of times. Uh, some of you come from a background when you do that. Go say this amount of prayers, this amount of times, right? Okay, when you hit 50, bingo, you're in, whatever. Um, uh, but it doesn't matter whether it's kind of a Catholic background, even a Protestant background. We all have ways to turn prayer into a ritual, don't we? And so Jesus assumes, he says, no, 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 you've got to keep it simple. This is the relationship between you and your father, It's a conversation. Okay? And any time we forget that prayer at its core is about just a simple relationship, we get off track. The moment we forget that, we get off track. Now, that's one of the reasons why I love this uh, story we started the day with about this old man. Right? Because he discovered a very simple but profound truth that prayer is simply conversation. Now, at this point in the, in the sermon, what I was planning to do until Wednesday morning is to tell you a great story. It's a story that's found in 1 Kings 18, um, but I'm not going to tell the story. Um, you're going to have to read the story on your own, all right? Uh, it's the story of Elijah and the false prophets of Baal. It's a perfect illustration of the difference between prayer that is based on relationship and prayer that is based on ritual. And so this week, as you're doing your summer study or whatever, I want to encourage you to go there. But about midweek, and I'll tell you more about this later, about midweek, I realized we needed to go a different direction right now. And, uh, and what I realized is that, uh, is that often, I, I think we're in a sermon like this, we all know we're supposed to pray, right? It's like we're all there. I just gave you point one, but that's just kind of a reminder. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, we need to pray, we need to seek God. But the real question is, how do we go about it? And I'm sure that for many of you, you've you've tried to spend time in prayer and it just hasn't gone very well. Your mind wanders, you don't know what to say, five minutes seems like five hours, you fall asleep, you know, you call it resting in the Lord, you know, whatever. Uh, You wake up and go, I feel so refreshed, that was great. Um, And so we've all been there, right? Right? And so so I'm kind of picturing, let's say that I gave a sermon today, I walk out of here, this week we're meeting at Starbucks, and you say, hey Mike, how you doing? We start talking, and you say, hey Mike, um, I, I, I like the message on, on this weekend, I really want to go on prayer, but frankly, I've just run into these kinds of problems, and you know, do you have any advice for me? Do you have any, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be awesome if we could each one-on-one have that conversation, just go out and say, well, have you tried this, you know, have you tried that? Uh, And just get as practical as possible. And so what I'd like to do in this time part of the message is I'd like to give you what I'm going to call some Starbucks suggestions, all right? As if you and I were sitting over a cup of coffee at Starbucks and said, well, have you tried this? Now, let me give you a warning on this. I'm going to put neon lights around this, all right? (laughs) You ready? I'm going to share it with you in these eight suggestions. I'm going to share some things that have worked really well in my life. But obviously, you are not me, Right? And so we are different. God's wired us differently. And so here's what I to say. If these are helpful to you, then I want you to use them. If they are not helpful, throw them out. There's nothing special about these, right? Nothing, nothing divine about these, right? Well, some of them there are. But, uh, <laughs> but not all of them. And, uh, and so if you find it helpful, uh, great. And uh, if you have a way that's working for you, I just want to put neon light. If you have a way that you're meeting with your father on a regular basis and you're really connecting with him, and it's going well, and these are like opposite of what you're doing, then forget me, right? Because it's all about relationship. But, but I want to share some things just candidly for my own prayer life that I hope will be helpful. Okay, so here we go. Number one. The first thing, uh, first thing I suggest to you is uh, keep it honest. If you want to develop a relationship with your Father that's real and vibrant and energetic, when you go to prayer, you have to keep it honest. You have to be absolutely, radically honest with God. What you're feeling, what you're thinking, what your fears are. You know, often when we get with God, we do this thing, it's like Christian editing, right? We start editing ourselves. Okay, well, Christians shouldn't feel that way, so I'm not going to tell God I feel that way, because then he would know I feel that way, and then, then, then I'd be in trouble, and i have to start confessing. I haven't gotten my requests yet. I never get done with my confessions, <laughs> right? Well, guess what? Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask it, and so there's really no point in pretending, and yet I find this is really common in Christian circles. We go to prayer, we start putting on a what I should be per- kind of person. And we start pretending to be something we're not because we think God will be pleased with that. Let me tell you something. Your father knows you. And he is most pleased when you are most honest. Right? Okay? And so that nothing will kill your prayer life more than pretending. And and this is what killed the Pharisees. They're out there on the street corners and they're in the synagogues. They're not talking to God. They're praying so that people will hear them. It's about image management for them. And whenever in our personal prayer life we start to manage our image with God, it kills our prayer life, okay? So that's number one. Number two, very similar. Some of these will overlap a little bit. Number two, watch out for the oughts. The oughts. You know, like I ought to do something. Here's what I found is that rules can kill your prayer life. If you have these little rules about, okay, this is the right way to pray, and you try to follow the rule, nothing will kill your prayer life faster. It's just going to kill it. And the funny thing is, if you're a brand new follower of Jesus, the great thing is you don't have any rules yet. And so this is the first sermon you've ever heard on prayer. Great. It's good. But for a lot of us, we've grown up in church, we've heard a lot of sermons, and we have all these rules in our head about how we should pray. Let me, let me give you an example. Um... Uh, have anyone ever heard the rule that when you start your prayer, you should always start with praise? Anyone ever heard that rule? Okay, yeah, I've heard that rule. Many times, okay, you should always start with praise. You always start with, with like, praising God for who he is. Because in Psalms, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, right? So a so verse quoted, and that's how we're supposed to pray. We always do it this way. But stop and think about how counter-relational uh, that is. How can, You know what I'm saying? How, how opposite of normal relationships. Can you understand? Like last night, Lynn was in the front row here, my wife, you know? And so I'm like, can you imagine this? I, I get up in the morning. Oh, Lynn, blessed art thou. You know? Mother of my children, wife of my youth, heart of my hearts. You're the most amazing mother in the history of the world. I love you to death. You are beautiful beyond description. By the way, can I have some toast? Right? Now, now just follow me. Can you see how counter-relational that is? Like, that's not the way we do relationship, right? We don't do relationship that way. Now, are there times when I praise Lynn? Yes, right? Appropriate times. And would it, would it be weird if I had a marriage when it was like, never, and I never praise Lynn? I never, well, yeah, that'd be weird. It's probably say something about marriage, right? But I don't but have to start with it every time, and yet we've often been taught that. And let me give you another example. How many of you have ever heard of the acronym Axe? Uh, okay, a lot of them. Let's see. Let me see your hands. Acts. Okay? Now, again, if this is helpful to you, great. Great. I'm not trying to steal your best uh, prayer strategy. Right? But Acts, it stands for those of you who are new Christians and have been blessed by never hearing this. Um, okay, Acts stands for adoration. Okay, the C is for confession, the T is for thanksgiving, the S is for supplication. And so here's the thing, when you go to pray, you go through Acts, you start with adoration, God, you're amazing, you go to confession, I'm not amazing. Uh, you go to thanksgiving, I'm so thankful you forgive me for not being amazing. Supplication, will you help me be amazing? You see, that's how it works, all right? And so this becomes a pattern for our prayer life. And so we get down, and okay, we go through Acts, see what's A, B, C, and we go through this thing, all right? Um, Here's another one. How many have heard this? If you want to follow Jesus, you need to pray, have a a time alone with God, your kind of quiet time or devotions every day. How many have ever heard that? Okay, so a lot of you. Uh, How many have heard it's every day and it needs to be in the morning, right? Because in the Bible, David says, oh my God, in the morning I cry out to you. Okay, right. All right. Okay, well, this may be a surprise to you, but there have no evidence that Jesus even went away daily. In fact, the closest thing that we have is in Luke where it says he often, Luke 5, he often went alone to seek God to lonely places. So we know that he often did that. Did he do that every day? My guess is no. He probably had some really busy days. He couldn't get away. All right? And so here's what I'm saying is that oftentimes we have these rules in our life. This is how to pray, and it can kill the relationship. All right? We'll talk more about that in a second. Okay, number three. Third tip. I probably should call these Mike's uh, her- heretical tips on prayer. <clears throat> <clears throat> Number three. Trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the Spirit to lead you in prayer. Yeah, you go, oh, that sounds better. Okay, let's talk. Let's, this is going to be fun. Um, it was fun for me. Uh, I'm going to ignore the front row. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, so, so Jesus comes, right? When Jesus leaves, he says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He's going to be like a counselor in your life. He's going to be a mentor. He's going to be like a life coach. That's his job, to take my place, come alongside you and coach you in life and empower you to follow me, right? And so, so we've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount, and we've, we've talked about anger, and we've talked about sexual temptation, and we've talked about loving your enemies. And every time we come over a tough, tough topic, we say, now listen, there's no way we can do this on our own, right? We have to be changed from the inside out. The Holy Spirit has to empower us. There's no way we could ever live up to this on our own, right? All the way through. We come to the area on prayer, and our first instinct is, I'm on my own in this area. Can I tell you something? It is impossible for you to pray well on your own. That The best prayer happens when the Holy Spirit is kind of downloading into your heart what needs to be prayed, and you're praying back to him. This is the best prayer. The best prayer is when, when, when God is sharing his heart with you on an issue through the Holy Spirit, and it's a burden in your heart, and you pray that back to him. That's the very best. That's the heart of prayer. That's the way it works best. Um, and so um, in the New Testament, we are told this, that we need to pray in the Holy Spirit. There in your note sheet, Ephesians chapter 6. So says we're to pray in the Spirit, right? So we're to pray. What does that mean, to pray in the Spirit? It means to pray as we're led by the Spirit and what to pray for. It means to pray as we're empowered by the Spirit. He puts a desire in our heart to pray, right? We're to pray in the Spirit. And we're to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, um, the, this I want to put the neon lights again. What I'm going to say next is going to be unique to me, all right? Uh, it may be very helpful to you. It may not be helpful at all. So if it's not helpful at all, just forget it, all right? But I want to tell you how prayer works in my life because I've never had anyone tell me this. I, I shared this last night. I had several people come. That was so helpful. I've never heard that. And it's like, sometimes I sometimes think we just need to be more honest, right? We just need to be honest on, on the way it works. So let me just walk, walk you through this. Um, there used to be a time in my life when i go to pray that it was kind of my agenda, uh, I would come to prayer. Let's say you put aside 15 minutes, 30 minutes, half, a, uh, half an hour, same thing, uh, 16 minutes. Um, yeah, right. It's like, I thought you were 11 o'clock. So anyway, um, so, okay, so you set aside some time, right? And I would come with my agenda. And so I would kind of have a routine. Okay, I'm going to start with 15 minutes or half an hour Bible study or whatever, then I'm going to do half an hour prayer, and I have my list, and I kind of have my agenda. And what i found is in my own life, it was not very productive. It was not very relational. I would tend to get bored, Now, we tend to just not enjoy it. And so my prayer life now is very different. When I come to spend time with God, I never know, honestly, what's going to happen from time to time. What I do is I'm just showing up, and I'm trusting that the Spirit is going to direct that time, and it's different every time. Uh, Let me give you some examples. Um, This Wednesday, I wake up really early in the morning, you know, long before I normally wake up. I just wake up, and I have a sense that God wants to meet with me. And so I get up, I go downstairs, I have no idea what to do. I get my journal out, get my Bible out. I'm ready to pray. I think I'm going to pray. And as I start praying, about two minutes into it, like, ideas for this sermon start coming. Now, on Tuesday of this week, I was working on this sermon and not very happy with it, which is pretty much normal for a Tuesday. And so, and so, uh, so I, I'm praying, God, you've got to help the boy. You know, it's like, this is really, this is just bad. And, uh, and so, um, I think what happened is that God heard that prayer and on Wednesday morning he wakes me up to answer that prayer. And I don't know this at the time. So I go down and I start to, to, to pray. I think I'm going to pray. I don't know what I'm going to going to happen. And all of a sudden ideas start flowing. And here's the idea. The idea was all these ideas. I need to make this sermon practical. I need to roll up my sleeves. I need to talk to you, share from my heart, Starbucks type suggestions. What would I say one-on-one? That's what had been bugging me all week long is that the sermon was not practical enough. It was a lot of like kind of big picture stuff, but it wasn't really that helpful for someone who said, Well, give me some help with this. And so as I'm sitting there, all these ideas start flowing. I grab my journal and I start writing the ideas down, the kinds of ideas that we're talking about right now. And for the next hour, I just journaled. I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And I had a strong sense that, Hey, God was with me. These thoughts were from Him. I'm writing them down. I get done an hour later and it's over. And I go to bed. That was my time with Jesus that day. Okay? I didn't pray. No time in the Word. It was a project day with Jesus. All right? Uh, let's fast forward. Friday, uh, Saturday, yesterday, I go out and I open my Bible and spend some time with Jesus. Again, I have no clue what's going to happen during this time. I open my Bible. I look there. I wasn't looking for anything. It just caught my eye Jesus in Gethsemane. Now, a little background. Uh, I've been, uh, the last uh, couple of months, I've been reading a lot of ancient history. And one of the books I've been reading <coughs> is uh, Josephus, who is a ancient Jewish historian who wrote about the time of Christ and wrote about the destruction of Jerusalem. And, and he, um, he, he tells, gives detailed descriptions of the city of Jerusalem and, and the temple and all uh, when it was destroyed in 70 AD. So it would be very similar to when Jesus was there. And as I look at this, something triggers in my mind, something raises in my heart. I need to, to with this in hand, my Bible in hand, I need to go read some Josephus. I a kind of hunger to read Josephus. And, and here's what happens. Let me explain this. In Sunday school, if you were raised in a church, we had a lot of flannel graph, right? And for a lot of us, we are still flannel graph Christians, right? So we think of Jesus uh, coming in, marching into Jerusalem or Jesus getting arrested in the temple. We see this little funny donkey, right? The little funny donkey moving along. And we see this uh, little wall of Jerusalem, real quaint and so on. And one of the things that needs to happen as we grow up in Jesus is we need to have our mind blown and expanded so we no longer see flannel graph. but We see it like it really was. Because how could you really, as an adult, really trust a Jesus that rides this little donkey this little city? It's like we need a bigger Jesus. We need to understand the dynamics of the time. And so as I'm, I'm reading yesterday about Josephus, so let, me, let me tell you some of the things that Josephus says, for example. He describes the wall around Jerusalem. He describes some of the towers that King Herod built. You know some of the towers that for defensive purposes were twelve stories high. Uh, the stones that they were built from, they were 30 feet, they were, they were solid marble. They were 30 feet long, they were 15 feet wide, they were seven and a half feet deep. You see, you get in the picture? The temple at Jerusalem was fifteen stories tall. When when uh, during Passover, when Jesus would have been there, like during Gethsemane, Josephus says there would typically come three million Jews would cram into that city. Are you beginning to get the feel for this? And so so that day in my time with Jesus, what was happening, I just felt like the Lord was expanding my mind to understand Jesus better in the world he lived in. That was my day. I didn't pray hardly at all that day. No scripture. It was just a Josephus day. But if you back it up one day to Friday when I spent time with him, it was almost all intercession day. Didn't read the word, didn't do it. Just time with Jesus, praying for friends, praying for situations, praying. It was almost the whole day, just praying, you know, the, the whole time with him, praying. You see what I'm saying? Now, here's what I find. Sometimes when I go into Jesus, I don't know what's gonna happen, and it's a worship day or a worship period. And I go in, and, and this happened this morning. And I got up this morning and I was spending some time with him and some songs started going. I went and put on the new Jeremy Riddle CD and I started worshiping. And as I started worshiping, people started coming to mind and I started praying the lyrics of those songs over people in my life. And then a song came on that began to minister to me and my hunger for God right now in a new level of relationship and I began praying that hunger. I, I began entering into that song as a prayer to God. You see what I'm saying? Now, I just gave you like a typical kind of week in my life. By the way, I went back and said, well, how often does this happen? Because I journal these things. And here's the thing. Over the last two and a half months, which is my last current journal, there's been days when I've spent as little as two days with Jesus. There's been weeks that I've spent as many as seven, and there's everything in between. Threes, fours, four is five, as you look at a week. Now, isn't that the way relationship really works? Like, there's weeks I don't get to spend as much time with Lynn, but then I get to make it up the next time, right? Okay, so here's what I'm saying, is that, My whole approach to spending time with this has changed. Instead of coming in and having my own agenda, this is what I'm going to do. It's showing up what's your agenda. Now, if you find that you're a very structured person and it works best for you in a very structured way and that's working great, God bless you. This is not like everyone's wired. I'm just giving you an alternate mode, okay? An alternate way of looking at it. So trusting the Spirit. Number four. Number four, now four, five, and six, they all go together. Um, And and when I was a little boy, I was taught this is how you pray. Uh, Go to study school, and uh, you'd sit down, you'd fold your hands like this, right? You'd close your eyes, and you would pray silently. Now, as I've grown into a man, I one by one left all those things behind. I found them more effective. Four, five, and six all go together. Number four, first one's pray out loud. One of the things that I'd say is most effective. If you have a hard time, your mind wanders. Try praying out loud. Um, I do this in the car, and it, it used to be a little embarrassing. So when other cars would drive up next to me, I would stop praying. Hey, Jesus, could you hold that for a minute? I got someone here. I don't think he's a weirdo. The great news is with Bluetooth now, don't have to worry about it. I just keep going. All right. Number five, number five, change your position. I always saw you when I was a little boy, you had to stay in one place, be really quiet, stay one place. And now I often move around. In fact, we have it downstairs in our house, and you know, if I'm up early and no one else is up, I will often wander through the whole downstairs just walking and talking with the Lord. Uh, sometimes go on prayer walks, uh, sometimes go outside. Uh, often in one time with him, I happened today. I was out in the front porch for a while. It was beautiful, right? Then went into the living room for a while. Then went in the kitchen for a while. I just move. It really helps, especially if you're ADD. Okay, um, number six. Here's my sixth suggestion. Open your eyes. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> I've heard been able to say this. Oh, he's opening his eyes when he prays. The good thing is Jesus did it. Uh, look there. In chapter uh, 17 of John, it says, after, after Jesus said this, he looked to heaven and prayed. It's a really interesting thing how uh, in the ancient world, they would pray mostly different. They usually pray out loud, and they would often pray with their eyes open. Uh, so if that's helpful, that's helpful to me. Number seven, stop worrying over distractions. I'm sure you've had this happen. You're praying along, and all of a sudden, you're distracted, and five minutes later, you wake up. Guys, you know this is what happens with our wives. Um, just kidding, just kidding. No, I'm, actually, I'm serious. But um, you've all had this, right? You're praying, right? You're praying along, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my, where am I? I don't know what's going on. Uh, where, and, and then what happens? You start feeling so bad. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Man, I, we just start beating ourselves up, and Satan is right there to start beating us up. You know, he's like, like, what kind of Christian are you? You're talking to God, and you can't even pay attention. Okay, here's what you need to say back. Hey, look, he's invisible. It's tough, right? Like, this, this is a challenge. So let me tell you, if you ever get distracted in prayer, welcome to the human race, right? We are all in this together. You will get distracted. Distra- it will happen. So here's the thing. Don't worry about it. When it happens, just say, oh, God, I'm sorry. I, lo- I got lost for a second. Can we pick it up where we left, you know? Here's another thing that really helps with distractions. Pray through your distractions. Often the things that are distracting us are the things we should be praying about anyway. You're distracted about the office and you got this, this thing that needs to be due and can you get it done in time? You're trying to pray over here about, you know, missions. It's like you need to first pray about your office and trust that to God and let God take care of that for you. Then you can come back and pray about missions, Right? Okay, another thing that really helps with distractions, always keep a pad of paper by you or a, a dictation machine or something. I use a little dictation thing. And uh, you know, right in the middle of it, I get distracted. Oh, yeah, let me write that down. Boom, put it away, and now I get back to prayer again, right? So just don't let Satan beat you up on that. Number eight, uh, learn to listen. Learn to listen for ideas. Uh, prayer is two way communication. Often we're not taught this. We think of prayer as just speaking to God. Prayer is a time when I come into the presence of God, right? And I want to speak to him. I want to listen back. God, do you have anything for me? Now, here's what I found in my own life. And again, remember, I'm just sharing my own life. In my own life, when I listen back, like I get real quiet and I wait, I usually hear nothing, okay? Now, other people are different. My wife is very different. She hears from God when she's quiet. When I'm quiet, usually I hear the fan, Okay, Okay. so, but here's what happens to me. The way God speaks to me in my life is more through ideas that come, just kind of downloaded type of thing. And this happens all the time in prayer. It's amazing. You're praying for your marriage, right? God, would you help me? I want to love my wife. I want to have a better relationship. I want to, and all of a sudden this idea comes. Well, you know, uh, take her out for dinner, get some roses or whatever, and you're like, stop, it's a distraction. You know, right? And, you're praying for your job and God, there's this project and I don't, have, I don't know how to organize it and I don't know how to make it work and all of a sudden some organizational ideas start coming. Oh, I'll think of that later, right? I'm praying right now. I want you to start thinking of your time with God as you're just with God. You're in his presence and it's okay to do thinking. It's okay to do projects in the presence of the Lord. See, when I, when I went down there on Wednesday morning, right, and these ideas came with the sermon and say, oh, that sermon, I'll wait till I get to the office. It was like, God's on the move here. I'm doing a project with him. And you say, well, Mike, that's a sermon. We can understand that. It wouldn't matter if I was an architect, if I was in construction. if I w- It wouldn't make any difference at all. And once the ideas start coming, I've learned to listen. Like God is there. I plan vacations during my time with God. I plan things in my marriage. I plan, because why? Because I'm coming in the presence of God saying, would you help me think this through? And when the ideas start flowing... It's like, wow, let's capitalize on that. Okay, and now I'm with the Father, and I've got my calendar out. Yeah, that'd be great. What if we stayed here, and what if we stayed there, and we stayed here? That'd be good, you see? And there's just a sense of we're in this together, right? See how relational that is? Really different. All right, let's move on. Number three, third question. Last question is, are you asking for the right things? Now, you say, well, Mike, wait a second. I thought you said we're supposed to be honest. <clears throat> yes, we are. But remember, this is a model prayer of Jesus, right? This is what a disciple looks like when he's fully matured. And what you see, <clears throat> <excuse> me, <clears throat> as a disciple matures, what you see is our heart changes, our desires change. And what happens is we become more and more passionate about God's name and God's honor and God's agenda than even our own lives. This just happens naturally. And so when we're new believers, often we're going to have more uh, issues about we're going to be focused more on ourselves. And that's fine. That's fine because we're new believers. But as we grow, right, there needs to become more of a balance, Instead of it being all about us, it becomes increasingly about God. Now, you'll see in the Lord's Prayer this beautiful balance. It starts with the priority, God, your name, your kingdom, your fame, right? And then it says, but also we need this stuff. And there's this balance. We pray for both things. But the priority is on God's name, God's fame, God's will. Okay, so when we're younger believers, it's natural we're more self-absorbed. We're more short-sighted. I love uh, the prayers of children, you know? Have you ever listened to kids pray? They're just so great. They're so transparent. But they're also can be kind of self-absorbed. Uh, I, uh, I got a book on prayer a few years ago that was like children's prayers. Maybe you've seen these kinds of things. Just, they just make me laugh. Like here's Lois. Dear God, I like the Lord's Prayer best of all. Did you have to write it a lot or did you get it right the first time? <laughs> Isn't that great? Here's one, Joyce. Thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> Jenny says, Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there right now. And then my favorite from Raphael, Dear God, if you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin, I'll give you anything you want, except my money or my chess set. (laughs) Okay, so I'm saying is as we grow, you will find that your prayers change. And here's a challenge for you. I'm asking, are you praying for the right things? As you study the New Testament, in fact you'll do this in your summer study this week, you'll see as you study the prayers of the Apostle Paul or you'll see the prayers of Jesus, the things that drove them, what they prayed for, were not so much the physical things usually, they were the spiritual things and they were God's kingdom things. They'd pray for the eyes of our heart to be enlightened so we can see who God is. They would pray that we might know uh, uh, God's will so we could please him in every way. They, They have all these amazing, God we want, it's about your kingdom. And so let me just challenge you. Are you praying for the right things in your life? So easy, often as believers, you think of our life groups. You think of, of uh, our children when we pray. So often we pray for things that are important, but they're not the most important, right? So we, should, we need to be praying for them, but we'll pray for things like the, all the health needs in the group. We'll pray for someone's job. We'll pray for uh, our kids. They make the baseball team. All good things. Don't get me wrong. All good things. Hey, but are we praying that our group, our life group develops a passion for Jesus Christ and his kingdom? Are we praying that our child has the character of Christ and they discover their gifts and their purpose in God's kingdom? Are we praying that they love God with all of their heart? Are we praying for a spouse for them that one day will be able to share uh, that, their passion for Christ and the kingdom? you see? So all both things are good, but if you look at the Lord's Prayer, what you see is there's certain priorities there, isn't there? And it's just showing you, when you all grow up, this is what you're going to be praying like. This is what's going to be the passion of your heart. And so we may not be there now, but we can begin like moving, make, taking some dance steps and learning to dance. we can to say, okay, Father, I'm not quite there, but I want to try this out. And in my prayer time, I want to begin asking for some things that I, I truly see are, are the most important things. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time together as we talk about such such a practical topic. We pray you'd come and meet us and you'd give us a passion to know you in this secret place. And you'd teach us to be relational, and you'd teach us to ask for the right things. We pray this in your name. Amen. Father, we, um, we just love the words of that song. We want to be a church that meets you in this secret place. Lord, we recognize that we come together, or when we're with you in our secret place of our room. We've closed the door, and we've pulled up that extra chair. Oh, God, how we need you. And Lord, so we pray that as we renew our commitment to pursue you in the secret place, teach us, Lord, what it means to be honest and to be real and have a real relationship. Teach us what it means to trust in your spirit, to guide us however we're wired. We pray that you would meet us, Lord, that you'd break through old paradigms and that we would enter in and meet you, Father, in the secret place, and that you'd fulfill your word that when we seek you in this secret place, that you will reward us. You'll reward us with your presence. You'll reward us with a changed life. You'll reward us with answers to those prayers. We seek you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. As we close this service, uh, I've got a prayer request for you. It just seems so appropriate to share it today. Uh, uh, about three months ago, I strained my voice really badly one weekend through a series of events that happened. And at first, I kind of blew it off, but uh, it's never gotten better. And uh, the strange thing is, it feels like, you know, if you ever go to a basketball game and you like scream your, your lungs out, the next day, your voice just feels burning, like it's burning, like you ripped off a, a layer of skin. And that's how it feels all the time when I talk. And, uh, and so I've been to an ENT, I've been to a speech therapist, and... I'm not really sure why. It turns out I do have some uh, uh, some very small, fortunately, nodules growing on my vocal cords, and so I'm going to speech therapy for that. But the thing that they're really perplexed with is why my throat is so sore all the time. Like, what's going on there? And so, we're continuing to do tests and checking out things and all. But I wanted, first of all, as a congregation, obviously talking is important to what I do. (laughs) And so, um, I I wanted you as a church to be praying for me about that. I think we're all in this together. Uh, God's got us on a great journey. We don't want that derailed. Um, And so, pray for me on that. And secondly, uh, what they've asked me to do is to try this next week going on total voice rest. And so, I will be speaking next weekend. I'll be back to talk about fasting. But uh, after the services today, I will hit the mute button and I will go down for the week. And so I just want you to know, because if I see at peak praise or I see you around the campus, I'm not being rude. <laughs> it's, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> and uh, I just wanted you to know, okay? May the Lord be with you this week. And may you pursue him in the secret place. And may you find your father in the secret place. And may he hear you and may you listen to him and may new ideas come and new insights come maybe a point of connection for you may it be the source of strength in your life as it was for his life that out of the secret place you come into the public place empowered and energized and directed with who you are and what he's called you to do and be god bless you we'll see you next week as we continue this series we'll look at fasting Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at RockyPeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.